0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Journey Home podcast, and we are continuing this week in our series on discipleship. And uh, I'm sure many of you um, recently celebrated the Easter holiday, and um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, during that time of the year, I like to, um, you know, go back to the Gospels and remind myself and, you know, immerse myself in the stories um, and the records of what happened um, on that, you know, on those days, uh, almost two thousand, over 2000 years ago. And so actually this year, in my Bible reading, I just happened to be in the Gospel of Matthew. And so it kind of lined up um, pretty nicely. But, um, you know, and, you know, every year, um, I'll probably f- focus in on a slightly different aspect of it. But, you know, I'm sure most people usually were thinking about the events of Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter Sunday, which are all um really important and we should. Uh, but this week in this year in particular, I was um I was actually mo- even more than those uh those days. I was drawn to kind of the other things that were happening during that final week of Jesus' earthly life. And um, you know, and you know, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, but uh, most of his earthly ministry actually took place outside of Jerusalem, which is probably a message in itself, right? But um, because Jerusalem at the time was the the hub, the heart of um, the Jewish religion and kind of, um, you know, the place where they would go for the major um, feasts and the major holidays, because that was kind of w- what they saw as the 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 pinnacle, you know, of of their faith, you know, at least in terms of a geographic location. And that's where the temple was, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, of course, even though um, Jews were practicing their faith, you know, wherever they lived, but, you know, Jerusalem had such a, a special place um, in their hearts. And so, uh, but it's interesting that Jesus's most of his ministry takes place outside of Jerusalem until that final week of his life where he, you know, heads towards Jerusalem and you know there's a lot we can say of course but you know his disciples are thinking this is going to be like the culmination um, and really like his coronation as our as our new king and we know now that it was that but in not in any way close to what they imagined or what they thought or what they were hoping for but anyway one of the many things that happens that week is that um, you know he goes to the the religious leaders of Israel in Jerusalem during that week and um, you know he has pretty uh strong conversations with them to put it mildly I mean and he's and some of the parables he teaches um, are pretty um, intense you know um, really in a sense rebuking them warning them and so one of those is recorded in matthew 21 again this is just one of of many and so if you're not familiar with them i would encourage you to take a look at them but he says um listen to another parable. So he just finished teaching one and now here's another So he says, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. He leased it to tenant farmers and went away. When the time came to harvest fruit, he sent his servants to the farmers to collect his fruit. The farmers took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first group, and they did the same to them. And finally, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenant farmers saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these farmers? He will completely destroy those terrible men, they told him. So this is their response to Jesus. And lease his vineyard to other farmers who will give him his fruit at the harvest. So then Jesus says to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is what the Lord has done. And it is wonderful in our eyes. And this is the the key verse that I want to focus on right now is he says, therefore, I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. Whoever falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will shatter him. And then Matthew goes on to say, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. Although they were looking for a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds because the people regarded him as a prophet. And so this is, uh, again, recorded in Matthew chapter 21. um, And pretty intense, right? (laughs) Uh, To put it mildly. um, And I want to just say, like, although... His, in its context, Jesus is saying, I mean, Matthew says it plainly, the the chief priests and the Pharisees know that this parable is aimed at them, right? Um, so in its context, that that is who Jesus was talking to. But I think as we read it, you know, in 2000 years later, I think we have to be careful not to assume that it doesn't apply to us or that it couldn't apply to us, right? I'm not saying it necessarily does depends you know again on where you're at right but um you know i think it's easy for us to say you know and those of us who are gentiles to say like oh i mean he was speaking to the leaders of israel and so oh but we're gentiles we're different you know and or 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 even yeah they were you know they had the old covenant we live in the new covenant um or you know they were they were the leaders so they were those in power you know we're just ordinary people you know we're not the religious rulers of of a nation right and so um there's a number of excuse or reasons we can give why this doesn't apply to us but um but I want to caution us there because I don't think that was ultimately his point. Again, yes, in its historical context, it was aimed at those people. And the previous parable he he taught, um, you know, the the big zinger that he gives at the end of that is he says, you know, he's talking to the religious leaders of Israel, but he says the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they're entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. And so, yes, in that time, um you know, the people that may have been thought as, you know, oh, they're so sinful or we're better than they are, right? And, um, you know, those were the people that Jesus actually commended because they were responding to his message, whereas many of the Pharisees and the chief, you know, the the priests were not responding to Jesus's uh, teaching and his invitation. Um, but again, that doesn't mean um, that, you know, it's automatic right because that's not jesus's ultimate point here um you know i think his key point is that at that time uh, the chief priests and the pharisees many of them i should say because some of them did actually become disciples of jesus so we can't even lump all of them into one category right um but many of them were not producing the fruit of the kingdom again it's not because they were leaders. It's not because they were old covenant. It's not because they were Jewish. It's just because they missed the point. They were not, um, they were not focused on the right things. And conversely, his point is also not that, you know, Oh, like you're bad. And these other people, these sinners are good. Right. And so he's not saying the kingdom is given to you know quote unquote sinners just because they're gentiles or they live in the age of the new covenant or you know um or they are not the ones in positions of power that's not his point he he's saying they are the ones who are responding so they they are the ones who are producing the fruit of the kingdom but again it's not automatic it what it really comes down to is who will produce The fruit that God is looking for. Who will produce the fruit of the kingdom? And that's Jesus's main point. And so it's a it is a sober warning. But I think it's a warning we all need to heed, no matter our um, position, our titles, our ethnicity, you know, our perceived level of sinfulness or whatever it is. um, We all need to heed this warning because, you know, at that time Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is being taken away from, again, those who will not produce that fruit, and it will be given to those who will. And, you know, elsewhere in the, in the Bible, you know, it says that God's no respecter of persons, meaning, you know, he doesn't just give it to you based on your reputation, your social status, your family history, your, your title, your position, or whatever. He He rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards those who obey him. He rewards those who faithfully pursue him and follow him. And so it's open. The invitation is open to all, which is really good news, right? And so, um, you know, so it is a sober warning. And I want to challenge all of us to say, you know, I hope that produces a response in your heart that says, oh, God, I, you know, in one sense, the fear of the Lord, I don't want to be in that first category where the kingdom of God is being taken away from me. Right. I don't think I hopefully none of us want to be found in that group. And then I hope it produces an earnest response in all of our hearts where we say, oh, God, by the grace of God, I want to be, you know in that group that the kingdom of god is being given to and you know again although this is a particular message that jesus gave at that particular time in history i i believe it's still true today you know um even in the old testament you know it says that the eyes of the lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth for those whose hearts are fully committed you know and i want to encourage you today you know you might you know not not be known by many people but the eyes of the lord if you are earnestly seeking him if your heart is set after him he sees you he knows that you are one whose heart is set after his kingdom and you know he will exalt you at the proper time whether it's you know in the age to come or it's in this life Um, at the end of the day it shouldn't matter to us because as long as we know that he sees us then I hope that that you know causes other kinds of recognition to you know become way way less of a priority, if if not you know a, not a priority at all. Um, and so yes, it is a very sober warning, um, but I hope at the same time you don't hear this as a pressure or a call to perform or to strive in an ungodly way. Because hopefully you know and I know by now that that actually doesn't produce the right kind of fruit either um and so um yeah elsewhere in also in the gospel of matthew chapter 12 jesus says this he says either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad and so we don't produce this kind of fruit um, by just trying harder or just disciplining ourselves more like we um really the focus needs to be on is the tree good because if the tree is healthy if the tree is good it is going to produce good fruit it's not something that we have to necessarily try so hard to to produce right um and again i'm not any you know any kind of expert in how to you know grow a healthy tree or anything but i know at the very least like you have to give that tree the right nutrients the right soil the right um, you know just feed the tree the right things and that will help to make a healthy tree and then again a healthy tree will produce uh, good fruit and so you know I think many of the things I've talked about in previous episodes of this series are I think the spiritual equivalent of you know making a tree good you know are we rooting ourselves and planting ourselves in The love of God, that is the soil, you know, that our roots need to not just be rooted in, but deeply rooted in, right? It it can't just be rooted in our own strength or our own willpower or our own goodness or holiness or whatever, Um, you know, and we have to water ourselves continually um, with the word of God, with the truth of who he is, his love, his faithfulness, his mercy, like those are the right kind of nutrients for our soil and then really the fruit um is more an indicator uh, of if the tree is healthy or not right because if it is then we will start to see that fruit and then and then what even is the fruit of the kingdom right um i mean i've talked about it a little bit i think in previous episodes as well you know i think a lot of it has to do with our character our Christ likeness which I would argue, is the ultimate aim of discipleship, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, those are really tell us what God is like, but then it tells us also what kind of fruit he desires to see in our lives. And then there is there are also um, the fruit of good works. There are good works. You know, it's not a works-based righteousness, meaning we don't earn our righteousness by doing good works. But that being said, um, when the tree is good, we will produce good fruit not because again not because we're trying to earn our place in the kingdom but because we are loved we want to share that love with others we want to do good works not to prove ourselves but because we're already chosen we're already accepted and those good works are i would say part of the fruit of the kingdom as well and so those are just two i think major categories of 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 fruit um the fruit of the kingdom. And so I'll just leave you with, I think more than trying to answer every question to give you some questions that you should be asking as a disciple, as someone who's seeking to make disciples. Um, I'll give you some questions, which is number one. Yeah. Do we even know what the fruit of the kingdom is? Have you ever stopped to ask that question? Because if Jesus is basically saying the kingdom will be taken away from those who, uh, don't produce this and will be given to those who do, I think it is something we should t- at least take a little time to um, to study and to look into is what is that fruit that he is seeking after? So that's my first question. My, and then the next question is, it's not enough to just know what the fruit is. We have to ask ourselves, are we if we claim to be disciples, are we producing that fruit? And then are those who we disciple, are they producing that fruit, right? Um, So that's my second question. And then the last one is, are we emphasizing the right things in our discipleship? Or in other words, are we, you know, as Jesus said, making the tree good? Because again, if we, you know, one of the rebukes Jesus had for the Pharisees is, you know, he said, "You, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. And his point is that, you're like overemphasizing these things, which it's not that they're not important or not true, but they're not the most important things, right? So he, and he even goes on to say like, you'll like measure out your tithe so specifically, but you neglect these greater and weightier matters uh, of love and justice and mercy, right? And so, um, you know, his point is that you're overemphasizing small things and you're underemphasizing big things, you know, as other people would phrase it, you know, you're majoring on minors and you're minoring on majors, right? And really we want to major on the majors, minor on the minors. Um, and we, again, we have to emphasize the right things in our discipleship because if we do, then the fruit coming from our lives and coming from our disciples should be good fruit. And so again, just three questions. I want to leave you with, um, to, help you investigate it more and study it more. And so, um, yeah, I hope again that this has helped you. I'm sure it's, 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 it's a challenging message to be sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I know that for me, and I'm confident for you too, you want to be counted among those people that are producing the fruit of the kingdom and know that, the lord is desiring you know it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom jesus said right and so god is looking for who is going to set their heart to produce this fruit and you are the ones that the kingdom will be given to and so um, i hope that this blesses you Um, god bless you we'll see you next time Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend. Before we sign off, I just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer, which is coaching for individuals and couples. So on this podcast, we're able to share biblical truth, practical wisdom, But we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, But what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. Um you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.